I just want to let you know you're doing a fantastic job. Welcome to Two Crazy Scoops Podcast with your host, Ao Antino, and uh, special guest, Chris Plunkett, here talking to us about HVAC, whiskey, Wendy's, and a bunch of other topics that we don't even know what you're going to talk about. So you said that if you watched a scary film, you'd drop dead. Is that true? Basically. Okay. You know, if, you're, if your heart's not healthy, you shouldn't watch those. There's, there's medical studies to prove it. So I have a question. <clears throat> you're a very tall man. I mean, average. Why do horror films bother you so much? Because I'm not healthy. <laughs> Wait, what does height have to do with? I don't know. I just thought if you were shorter, you'd be more scared of like, you know, horror films as opposed to being like six foot something. You could just, you know, karate chop anything. That's what I thought yeah, happens after six foot, you, you know. You already karate chopped a, uh, a chainsaw? <laughs> I've tried unsuccessfully. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't on. Seven finger Antonio for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but I think you and Aaron have more in common than you think. Aaron has an air conditioner, mm-hmm. and he's also from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? What part? Detroit. Okay. I'm from Grand Rapids. Oh, okay. Not too far away. No. Yeah, I just thought about that today because I know that you were a Lions fan. I don't know if you still are. Yeah. I mean, I grew up a Lions fan. I haven't really uh, followed them for the last decade. Okay. <clears throat> I thought it was pretty cool that uh, their quarterback left their organization and then won a Super Bowl the very next year. <laughs> I thought that was great. I'm really happy for him. I haven't followed the Lions since Barry Sanders' last play, so that just gives you an idea. That 1998? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was a fan of his, not necessarily the Lions. Well, yeah. What was so great about him? As he takes a giant bite of... I so, assumed to be an inshallah. What was so great about Barry Sanders is the fact that he could run through everything. He he uh, he just he made people miss trying to tackle him all the time. And when they didn't miss, they still didn't always take him down because the guy had thighs the size of tree trunks. I mean, the guy was just like, you know, there's like the, the what is that, the immovable object and the... Unstoppable force? Yeah, he was the unstoppable force. Wow. Do you think he was afraid of uh, horror films? Or? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Has there been yeah. no documentation about that? Yeah, he, he hated watching horror films. He, uh, yeah, he, he and I used to be really close when I was in high school. Oh, that makes you... She's on, just man. opened with that. We could have had so much more to talk about. <laughs> Me and Barry Sanders back in the day. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> speaking of Barry Sanders, we're going to get uh, pick your brain about this Wendy's experience you had. Oh, Lord. Okay, so I met... The most willfully ignorant person, I think, that's ever worked a cash register at that Wendy's. It's a good thing I didn't work there. <laughs> he, uh, so they have this, this promo going. It's like a two for six. And they have on their menu outside at the, for the drive-thru, there's four items listed. There's a, there's a hamburger, a chicken sandwich, chicken nuggets, or a lemonade. Those are your four options for the two for six. Pick two, pay six bucks. So I tell the guy, I want two, two for sixes. Give me one of each. 
Okay, what would you like? <clears throat> I would like the burger, the chicken sandwich, the 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 10-piece nuggets and the lemonade. Which which chicken sandwich do you want? The only one that's on the menu. The only one that it shows there. There's only there's only four items. No, man, you you so I don't understand. You want two for six, but you want four things, and that doesn't add up. If you want all the things, that's like seven items, and you. It, this went on for a solid two minutes, and I just find he's just pull up to the window. So I get up to the window, and he starts to explain to me again how there's seven items on their four-item menu. Hmm. None of it made any sense to me. And finally, I was like, look, dude, you got to go look at the menu. You just got to go look at it. Have you seen it? He's like, no, I work up here. So I see a dude in a, like a blue polo. And I'm like, hey, uh, you there in the blue shirt. Are you like the supervisor on shift? He's like, I'm the manager. Why? I was like, well, because your guy here is asking me questions about the menu. And the answers aren't on the menu. And I can't just like divine this stuff. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer these questions. It makes me look like a jerk. Or, well, no, it makes me look like an idiot. It makes him look like a jerk. And I don't, I don't know what to do. So the question I have about this is obviously due to the economy or whatever's going on, there's a lot of people filling in jobs that they're not really so well at. How has this plagued the uh, air conditioning industry? Do you run into those similar kinds of people? Wait, hold up. How old was this kid? Oh, man. This, this dude was, if I had to guess, I'd guess I'm him to be 20. A kid. 20, not 22 to 25. That's still a kid. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, <clears throat> definitely young, but old enough to realize that maybe there's more, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> what's on his pictures is not what's on my menu. I don't know. The option, it was just ridiculous. But in answer to your question, let me drink some water. The, uh, there's definitely a labor shortage. There's a labor shortage across every industry, especially in the trades. With the trades, you have to think about the fact that for years, people have told kids, go to college, get an education, get into working with computers, working in an office, get a degree. Nobody has encouraged kids to go to school for trades because they all looked at it as a dirty job, right? And you can't make money doing dirty jobs. But... Yeah, yeah, it's it's a ridiculous notion, but you know if you not true at all, but absolutely not true. I mean, I know plenty of people in the trades working as employees, making six figure salaries. Yeah, I might need to change my job. <clears throat> We're always looking for good people. Okay. Yeah, Can you call we'll ask you some personality questions, and if you turn out to be a good person, we might hire you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so an air conditioner is falling off roof. Do you catch it? No. Or do you let it fall down on top of a group of small children? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree with him. What are you going to do? You can't catch. Yeah, I mean, no. you couldn't yeah. catch. All that's going to happen yeah. is I'm going to go with it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to add more weight and squish more children. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Aaron, you know, you, you've meant well. Right. Unfortunately, you took out a couple more than you should have. <laughs> I feel like Antonio is asking that question because there's a Spider-Man on this bottle here. Pitch into Verse City. So uh, the Michigan Connection, this is a Traverse City Whiskey Company. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought a bottle of whiskey with me because we're going to talk about HVAC uh, business and whiskey. And so I brought this. Um, <laughs> oh, are we doing this now? We're doing this right now. Let me grab these. Okay. After a small commercial break, which I can put a break in there at any point. Or we can just keep talking. I mean, because I edited it in there. Edit this noise out. Boom, 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 boom. Guys, this is a so I, giant black box. I assumed giant. that there was a... It's, it's, a it's 10 dense. by 14 by 6. I'm a small person. It's a dense box. and it It's, it's uh, foam filled and it's got glasses in it. I was worried that there would be some kind of uh, handgun in there. Thankfully, it's just glasses from Del Bach. <laughs> Del Bach is a whisk, uh, summer uh, distillery here. And Delbach is a, a distillery here. So they're uh, the Hamilton Distillery Company. Uh, they have a brand called Delbach Whiskey. And they, uh, they are a distillery here in Tucson. They're a single malt. And if you help them bottle, they will give you a free bottle, right? I just did that a couple weeks ago, me and Scarlett. Oh, nice. My lovely wife. So you all partake? Sure. I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy listening to us um, pour things. You want, me to, you want me to get it right up by the microphone so they can hear it? <laughs> here. Let's see if we can hear it. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, okay. There you go. So there you go. It's a nice te- taster. Yeah, so I mean, that's what we do. We taste. We don't uh, drink for like large quantities trying to get drunk. This is... I'm, I'm very involved in the whiskey community <laughs> in Tucson and other areas. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tasting whiskey and, and being kind of a, a shepherd for other people to get into the whiskey world. Do Does HVAC and whiskey have anything in common? You want this one? Mm-hmm. Because. I think it has the least. Oh, I thought you just liked what it said. <clears throat> what does it say? The water so there's of a, life. There is oh, a, I love this too. So there's a, <laughs> a restaurant bar in Phoenix. Um and it's called Pitch, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> there were some things that happened with, so Pitch is allowed, they're allowed to sell whiskey, mm-hmm. and they're allowed to advertise it on Facebook, but somebody got all bent out of shape because that was happening, because you're not allowed to sell alcohol on Facebook. Yeah. You are if you have a license, mm-hmm. and they do. And so somebody reported their Facebook group to Facebook, and uh, they got their group shut down for a while. And uh, it turned out that it was somebody else's group that had somebody come in and stir up a bunch of trouble. So, yeah, that glass was created. <laughs> nice. So. I love it. All right, so. so. So what am I supposed to be experiencing here? I'm going to switch so it around. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. So Is first like off, wine? let's do this. Like, you're eating it smells like wine. chimichangas. Mm-hmm. Probably but, don't want to do the two at the same time. Oh. It's going to dip, dip the chimichanga oh, in it. If you want to yeah. dip the chimney in the whiskey. <laughs> Get as many floaties in there as you can. Then put it in the sour cream and then eat it. And Got then you. pour the sour cream. Yeah. So, so, I should, so I should wait then. Yeah, and, and in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to let it sit for, for a couple minutes anyways. We're oh, gonna, We're okay. going to let it, uh, it's not like wine where it's going to open up. but uh, Oh, okay. I'm kind of a slow eater. Though. It'll it oxidize a, a little minutes. bit. Will it? He's a slow eater. I'm a slow eater, so it might be a few minutes. Well, I just, I don't want, if there's anything spicy... It, like you're, you got salsa. I don't know how spicy. There's nothing is. spicy. Okay, because when you when you drink the whiskey, it, like it's gonna in 
intensify those spicy things. This is the this is the very mild sauce. Of you, you'll die right. if you do that. Yeah, you. It's like watching a horror movie. <laughs> ah. As a six foot one tall man. Gotcha. Terrified of chainsaws. So what do you want to do? Should we go? Or let's do it. Wait? Let's sniff it. So, yeah, so what I'm going to recommend, don't put your nose in the glass. Okay. I already did that. Yeah, I know. Put it put it right here, uh, like like on your upper lip. And then you want to breathe with your mouth open. You want to take air in through both your nose and your mouth. And this is going to be uh, what we call nosing. So I never knew I could breathe. I don't think I've ever breathed with both my nose and mouth at the same time. Yeah, me You do either. it all the time. You just don't realize it. Really? You're doing it right now. And so what you're doing is you're letting the, the alcohols pass through what's called the retronasal part of your uh, olfactory senses, if you will. All right. What that's doing is it's allowing you to almost taste the whiskey without putting it in your mouth. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> now, if I'm already starting to feel lightheaded, is that good or bad? Uh, it means you're a cheap date, and that's great. <laughs> That's probably the chloroform I wiped on that glass. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I just poured two glasses of chloroform. <laughs> we, we haven't even started, to be honest. We're just sniffing it, and Aaron's already getting giggly. So. <laughs> I wasn't expecting That's one of my favorite, my favorite jokes. Like, when you're, you're walking up to, like, a random stranger at Home Depot, and you hand them a, a pack of rag, and you're like, does this smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> It just caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. That's that's all. I wasn't expecting that. So how long have you been so in tune with your senses, if I will ask? Oh, man. Um, I mean, really, it started at childbirth. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Not mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somebody else's. I don't Somebody know. Somebody else's. I was, no. was going to say, some people remember themselves being born. Some people remember that, yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah, the, other people have different delusions of grandeur. <laughs> Anyways, how long have you personally been in tune with your senses? I'm trying to get through this here. I forgot there was an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. So it's it's been a it's been a kind of a long road, I will say. So I remember like getting together with other people and and having some whiskey and just thinking, "Wow, this is this tastes good." Mm-hmm. Kind of like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, The Office when Andrew, Andy Bernard is like, I could never be a movie critic. I'm not deep enough. He's like, maybe I could be a food critic. He's like, this pizza is bad. <laughs> 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 You're just like, this is good. Yes, that's exactly what it was. It started out, and I remember the first time I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is pretty good. Um, I was at, um, what's that, uh, on, on River there? That across across from where you got married. Oh yeah, uh, Saint Augustine. Yeah, there's that. There's that. There's a bar in there. I can't yeah, what it's called. Right it's now. not. It's a. It's that one Restaurant. thing. It's a white building. Yeah, I cannot remember the name of that place. And they got stuff going on there. Anyways, we were there for a whiskey Wednesday, and when we were there, it's it's a half off of different whiskeys, and so I I tried um, a whiskey called Glenmorangie. And it's a it's a scotch, it's a, a single malt scotch made in the Highlands. It's a ten year old whiskey, and it is, um, it's still to this day in my top five, probably the top of the list. Um, it's like an old go to. It's it's like a comfortable sweater. Okay, <clears throat> what what's a drink that would be an uncomfortable sweater? 
but one you still wear? Yeah. Lefroig. Lefroig? Yeah. What's that? Lefroig, and I was going to bring something from there. So St. So, Philip's Plaza, that's what it's called. St. Philip's Plaza, but what's the restaurant called? Oh, wait. I'm trying to figure it out. St. Augustine is not that. It's St. Yeah. Philip's. It's a uh, bar. Yeah. Anyways, the... Uh, oh, sorry. That smell might be from the neighbors. Union. Union. Yeah, Union Public House. There you go. Okay. Do they still have that Wednesday thing, or did the pandemic they kill do. it out? No, they still have it. Oh, okay. Still a thing. I still, I still attend occasionally. Um... I think I probably have more whiskeys than they do now, so I don't always go over there because when I do, my selection is usually better at home, and I don't want to pay for yeah, stuff I have at home. Already have, so, yeah. Anywho, um, the uh, the the Glen Morangie. Oh, oh, you asked about uh, what's a whiskey that's a, an uncomfortable sweater, but you still wear. So Lafroy gets it's an Isla whiskey which means it comes from an island called Isla, I-S-L-A-Y. Okay. It's off of the west coast of Scotland, and it is very, very peaty, meaning that they dry the malt with a fire made from peat. You probably know peat as, like, peat moss. Some people will buy peat moss here and use it in, like, gardens. Mm -hmm. It's basically dried soil that used to be under the ocean. Oh, wow. So it's very salty, mm -hmm. very briny. And so <clears throat> when you use that to dry the grain, it ends up uh, imbuing a lot of uh, flavor and odor. Yeah, from the ocean. <laughs> from Yeah, basically. And then it's also, I mean, you're on an island that's not very big, and it's right in the middle of the ocean. So you're getting also, when the whiskey's aging in the barrels, you're getting a lot of that. From there as well, you're getting a lot of salty sea air making its way into those barrels in the dunnages. So on your travels of trying to catch them all, do you ever find yourself disappointed with uh, the, I don't want to say temporary, like you can obtain something that tastes really good, but it doesn't last forever, or is oh, that yeah. part of it? Okay, so I mean, that's, that's every uh, collector's fear, right? is you find something that you absolutely love and then you find out that it's super limited. And so you do one of two things. You never have it again <laughs> for fear that if you want it, you won't have it. Or you find as much of it as you can and you still never have it because, again, if you have it, you won't have it again. Yeah. So that very thing happened to me when I was kind of newer in the uh, – scotch whiskey or the whiskey world in general um i found a bottle that i really liked and didn't realize that i had liked it as much as i did and when i uh figured out what it was um went back to i had bought it at total wine i went back there and they were like oh no it was a uh it was a special release we're not doing that anymore it's gone and i didn't have any left well, I was at the uh, I was at Total Wine again, probably close to three months later, and I saw a bottle of it on the shelf, and I was like, "Hey, where, what's up with that?" I thought that was a special release, and it was all gone. And the guy was like, "Oh no, yeah, we we found a case of it in the back." Oh. And I was like, "Well, do you have any more besides this one?" He was like, "We have three bottles. I bought all three. <laughs> I still have one. 
That was four years ago. So I still have one. So when you're sharing these as you are with us right now, you understand that both Aaron and I have little to no knowledge of whiskeys, correct? Absolutely. So then what enjoyment do you get from sharing it with people that may not appreciate it to the full extent that you do? I mean, Aaron is about to dip his enchilada in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So. Sorry. (laughs) It's quite all right. Um, You just pour it on the, just get the bottle, shake it on there. Yeah, no, I, it's it's definitely, um, from an outside perspective, it can look like it's very disappointing when somebody's like, I don't like this. And in your head, you're like, this is the best whiskey anybody's ever mm-hmm. had in their mouth, so you're wrong. Mm-hmm. The simple fact of the matter is, if you like it or you don't like it, you're right. Yeah. If If you put your nose up to this and you tell me it smells like strawberries, you're right. Yeah, because you don't know what, you actually don't even know what's in your mouth, right? Because what you're eating, it could change the flavor of it, correct? I I don't know what you think strawberries smell like. Yeah. You know what? That kind of makes sense because I don't know if they do this with whiskey, but obviously I do like wine. And with wine, they always say, oh, it has different hints of this or that. Mm -hmm. Some of them I pick up on certain things, other things I don't. So So, I don't know. Oh, sorry. There you go. Yeah, as a wine drinker, you're probably more likely to, if you spent some time developing a palate, uh, you're, you're more likely to, to be able to, to pick out different notes from, from a whiskey. Um, oh, okay. Good to know. <clears throat> that said, when you taste this, this is a barrel-proof whiskey, meaning whatever it is in the barrel, they pour it out into a container, and then they bottle it. All right. This is 59.9% alcohol by volume. Okay. So it's going to be some very punchy whiskey. My recommendation is going to be to, to add some water. Add water? That's right. That seems like a sin. But well, okay. that's why you said you were sad you didn't bring water. No, I, brought, I brought water for the whiskey. I just didn't oh, bring my... Dropper. I didn't bring my, my water bottle that I... Wait, so can we try it before the water? Absolutely. That, and that's that's recommended. Try it, you know, before. Okay, so try we, it. Is meat. this a good time or no? Well, maybe rinse your mouth or something. Oh, no! I think you did. Oh, you did. So, yeah, okay. I, I seen it. Nice. So the first thing we want to do, yeah, let's let's pick up the glasses and let's nose it again because we did earlier. The first thing Swish we want to do, is, yeah, just, you know what this does. We got this tulip shaped glass. These are called Glencairns and Glencarns, however you want to call it. Okay, and it's tulip shaped, so the gives the whiskey room to open up so as it off gases it's it's able to actually open up and and those aromas are going to be funneled towards the top so that we can smell them easier okay Okay. kind of concentrated if you will so if you smell it it smells good okay and if you smell it and you're like this smells like alcohol Guess what? You're right. You're right. Oh, nice. No, yeah. this smells like a good... I I haven't... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I haven't exposed... I haven't been exposed to too many whiskeys, but as a recent... I went on a trip to Arkansas recently, and I tried a bunch of different ones. Okay. Um, Did you get any shine? No, no shine, uh, unfortunately. Um, okay. But I got... Was there anything that stood out that you remember? Uh, there was something called something trace. 
Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. That it, was really good. It's a very good. popular whiskey right now in the United States and around the world. It's been around forever and ever. And the funny thing is that it won some awards a few years ago. And ever since then, everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. And so it's become more and more difficult to find at your That's what retailers. they told me. So he was like, I'm going to you know, share this with you because you're my guest. But it's hard to find. Yeah. And it was pretty good. I tried Maker's Mark 46. That was pretty good. Um, that was a little bit more uh, pungent. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that's the word. That's for fair it. because uh, one is a bourbon and one is, well, I guess technically they're both bourbon. Um, but one of them has a different, though they have different mash bills. Let's, let's put it that way. So when you make corn whiskey, it's like straight corn whiskey is 100% corn. Okay. If you make rye whiskey, straight rye whiskey, it's 100% rye is the grain. Um, and there's different. There's multiple different grains that you can use. There's corn, barley. So then I'm mistaken because this isn't even bourbon. <laughs> huh? This isn't bourbon or is it? This is a straight bourbon whiskey. Oh, okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm always confused. It's like uh, one okay. time they were teaching me to dance, right? And I didn't know the difference between uh, cumbia and pachata and whatever salsa. And people are like, you can hear it. You can hear the difference. It's the steps. Do you know? And I just can't. No matter how many times people tell me about Scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, bourbon, and what I assume is just whiskey, which I don't know if that exists. Yep. I can never remember the differences. Yeah. So it's all about mash bill or where it's made. Okay. Yep. All right. Obviously, Scotch whiskey is in Scotland. We could could spend two hours talking about the different types of whiskeys and what makes them up, so we won't do that. Okay, okay. But I'm I'm, going to try this. All right. Let's get it in our face holes. Okay. Wait, wait. So you don't want to chug it. You want to yeah, 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 like yeah. like hot coffee. Sip it like hot coffee. Usually I take a breath in and then I drink it. Am I supposed to breathe in when you, I drink you, it? Or what you, am I? You can do that. I, I like to get it on the on the tongue and then take a little bit of air in. That's that's not uncommon. Wow. That is really good. You're swishing it. That's disgusting. I'm not. I'm just bringing air in. That burns. Aaron is so, speechless. There's a trick you can do to, to knock the burn out. Well, no, I like the burn. The burn is fine. I actually, there is, but there is a trick you can do to knock the burn out so that you can uh, start to get past that and start tasting things again. And it's if you let a little bit, about as much as you took in right there, let it rest under your tongue for about 10 or 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then after that 10 or 15 seconds, slowly take a little bit out, like like swish it, not swish it around, but move it to the back of your and swallow it a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. and take in a breath each time afterward. And what that'll do is, like, it, it lets your your mouth know that it it's not in danger. It's okay. So did you learn this online, or did you hike to the top of a hill and find Mr. Bourbon, and he taught you the ways of bourbon rightery? Wait, can I continue eating, or do I need to? You can do whatever you like. Okay. Stop you, eating. But I want to ask Antonio how he knows about Sensei Bourbon. Sensei Bourbon. <laughs> I was hiking out in the field one day. I came across Sensei Bourbon. He was like, try this drink. And I was like, okay. And he's like, no, you must breathe in twice. Exhale out your nose and swish it under your tongue for 10 seconds. So, uh, again, being being as involved as I am in the world of whiskey, um, I watch a lot of videos, listen to podcasts uh, revolving around uh, whiskey, and I, I, man, I'm not even sure which 
podcast or video it was that that made that recommendation. I want to say it may have come from a podcast by Christopher Hart called Whiskey Neat. About two-ish, three-ish, four-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that range. Um, but it could have been a video i seen on YouTube too. I'm not sure. So something that I found that goes hand in hand is whiskey and smoking meat. What would yeah. you say the connection between those things are? Well, I mean, there's there's definitely a connection. You know, I mean, one, it's just a great thing to do. Just sit, sit around and drink whiskey while, you're, while your grill's going. Um, but I think whiskey in particular while you're smoking, just because it's... Uh, it's, I'm sorry. It's all good. I thought. Yeah, I was going to say smoking cigars, Aaron. That's what we're here. <laughs> yes. Smoking meat. I thought he wanted to be like, just nothing like. And we're back. <laughs> Anyways, continue on about smoking meats. Smoking that meat. Um, I think I think when you're when you're smoking meat, and I mean, there's definitely with whiskey. There's a lot of wood involved in that process. You're mm. you're uh, you know you're drying the 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 barley if it's scotch. You're drying the barley over some type of fire, or with the smoke from some type of fire, I should say. Um, there's there's wood in the barrels, right? We're aging in in oak barrels, and so there's there's definitely flavor and and you know again I go back to that olfactory senses the the taste and smells that you're getting from from the wood so i think there's just just a relationship there that people maybe they don't even realize but it's there yeah that's what i've noticed uh, when people get into that it's like as soon as you get into whiskey just a smoker just appears in your yard a green egg just you know is there all of a sudden so you've gone to sky scotland Yes, uh, twice. Twice. And, yep. First time we went <clears throat> was more out of, like, uh, desire to see Chris Stapleton. Okay. So we wanted to go see him in the Georgia Dome with uh, George Strait back okay. in, uh, like, at the, towards the end of 2018. Oh, wow. And it turned out that it was going to cost more money to fly there and see that show because it was over $500 per ticket to sit Oof. in the nosebleeds at the Georgia Dome. So, I mean, we're talking over $1,000 in concert tickets, another close to $1,000 for the, um, the, the air, airfare. To, to see it in to, the U.S.? To, to, go, to go fly to the Georgia Dome because, you know, it's in Atlanta. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we're going to be in Atlanta for a couple of nights, so we're going to have a hotel. So, in a rental car or Ubers for everywhere we want to go for three or four days. Yeah. Um, looked at other potential venues, maybe Vegas, see if they're going to be in Vegas, and that'll be maybe, maybe we can drive. It'll be a little bit less expensive. And uh, there, was a, there was some tour dates for Scotland where it wasn't – it wasn't with George Strait, but it was Chris Stapleton, and that was who I really wanted to take Scarlet to go see because I'm not big in country music. I really don't like country music, but I do like Chris Stapleton. You like that Tennessee whiskey song? Uh, you know what? Does that have anything to do with this? <clears throat> nope. Are you sure? Yep. 
<laughs> so, um, Antonio asking the hard questions. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Chris, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Do you really like Chris Stapleton or is your love of whiskey bringing this on upon us? And, and it was like. <laughs> I was just going to say I like that song. That yeah. That? Yeah, no, I don't dislike the song. That's oh. not what I'm saying. It's just that wasn't, that wasn't like, it's like, oh man, I got to go, got to go to Scott. <laughs> I got to go see that song. I'm Jones and man. Because that would have fit perfectly with the theme of the podcast. Just right. saying. <laughs> I just cut that last part. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Splice that together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or better yet, take a yes from somewhere else that's obvious it wasn't an answer. To We're going to have Tom saying yes over your phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Good old Tom. Good old Tom's. <laughs> You know Tom too? Oh yeah, man. I told you we know a lot. I was like, Chris might know this person. He might know that person. Like, why are you saying might? I'm like, Chris has been here for a while and he knows a lot of people. You would think that. But I don't get out much. Well, I mean in his circle of people, like who he works for oh, and okay. stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes gotcha. sense. You guys haven't really like interacted, but you're around a lot of the same people. True. Yeah. So I found really cheap tickets. They were like sixty bucks a ticket to go see Chris Stapleton in Scotland, in, in Glasgow. And I was like, okay, so we're at $100 for her, $120 for tickets, but how much is it going to cost to get there? Because right now we're at, uh, what was it, $500 a person to go see the, the concert in Georgia. Yeah. There's $1,000. And then it was uh, like almost, almost $500 a ticket to go fly there yeah. from Tucson to Georgia. So it was like almost $2,000. Airfare was $700 a ticket, which when you add the price of the concert tickets in, we were at 1500 bucks. Yeah. $500 cheaper to go to Scotland <laughs> and see this show. So I was like, well, yeah, then that's what we're doing. Because we'd wanted to go anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we really wanted to do was go to Glenmorangie. And so as soon as we made the arrangements for the show, I made I booked uh, us to be able to stay the night at the Glen Morangy House. What's that? So the distillery, um, you know, it's up the road a ways. And, and the people that owned the, you know, that built the distillery, owned the distillery, they had a, a farm down the road. And now you can stay at the, the house. It's been you know, restored. It's, it's pretty oh, wow. nice. It's owned by Hennessy Moet, so... Usually when people from uh, corporate are traveling, they'll stay there. But it's open to guests throughout the year. So we had a, like a seven-course dinner. We had our own personal valet and uh, had a really good time. Nice. And so these uh, distilleries are kind of, are they passed down through generations of their family? Some are. Some are bought by mega corporations <clears throat> and then like Hennessy Moet. Because this isn't something that you can just, like, hire somebody to do. It kind of has to be in their blood, so to speak, to want to. You shouldn't mix blood and whiskey. Well, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little ahead of myself here. Um. No, I I know what you mean. Um, There absolutely, I mean, there's there's so many examples of people who who have passed down the, uh, you know, from from one generation to the next. There's times, uh, in fact, uh, at Buffalo Trace, that that happened. and at, uh, what is it now? Well, I say Knob Creek, and I think really it me. It's uh, the B 
Beam Suntory. So, you know, there's there's been somebody from the family of the the nose in the Beam Suntory, you know, world for uh, three, maybe four generations, I forget. Hmm. <clears throat> so it just it just depends. I mean, you know, if you're if you're training your kid to be passionate about the thing or if the kid's passionate about the thing that the, that the parent is doing, you can pass it on. But in some cases, you know, the... He's like, I have dreams, Dad. I want to work at Budweiser. Exactly. You're no, no son of mine will work at Budweiser. Yeah. I'll and show you. It happens. <laughs> People go to work at Budweiser every single day. Oh, yeah. It's a mystery. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for all of the employees at Budweiser who listen to this podcast. Are shutting it off, throwing their phones into the river. All the folks at Golden Eagle here in Tucson, <laughs> we apologize. We apologize that you have to work there. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think that would, that's the, that's a film that you could make right there. It's like, no, Dad, that's your dream. And then the kid goes to work at Budweiser. <laughs> Budweiser. <laughs> He's trying to convince him to put the Budweiser in barrels. No, guys, look, if we just put it in barrels. They do. They do? Yeah. I've never been there. Either way. No. <laughs> it's uh, Budweiser's aged, uh, I don't know for how long, but it's aged in beechwood barrels. Wow. It has been since the... Isn't it California? Or am I mistaken? Isn't what California? Is it is the, the like headquarters in California, Budweiser? I want to say... Uh, or is it no. New York? I want to say no. I want to say in that Jersey. If you throw out enough cities, <laughs> you're going to get it. Is it in Jersey? I think it's in Jersey. Um, Anheuser-Busch? Yeah, That's so... That's in Jersey. Anheuser-Busch? I, I, for some reason, uh, Bush Gardens comes to mind in Florida, which, uh, that's not it. I know they're, that's their park that's related, but I want to say that they're somewhere in, uh, like, uh, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yeah, that, that it's nowhere near here. Uh, anyways. Yeah, I know. St. Louis, Missouri is nowhere near Tucson. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I didn't know too much about the history of this stuff. Um, I know a lot of people are into it. Um, but similar with the fact that you're sharing us with these whiskeys in the podcasting realm, we just record things, and whether you like it or hate it, it's out there. True. So that's what we're doing. I did have a question about... Um, um, about when you're aging the whiskey in the barrels. Okay. So do you know the process as far as like once you're done with the barrel, do you reuse it again? That's a great question. So in the bourbon world, the answer is no. You have to use new American oak. and it, So that means every time you fill the barrel, it has to be a new barrel for it to be bourbon. Now, a lot of scotch is going to be what you call, what they call, first fill bourbon, okay? So what that means is they're ex-bourbon casts that are now being used to age scotch whiskey. So bourbon has uh, a lot of flavor that is really bold, and you're not getting that same boldness on a scotch, and that's because most of the time they're, uh, they're using what are effectively used casks. <clears throat> so, but the neat thing is, 
you can get like if Antonio mentioned earlier things that are just whiskey. You can do whatever you want with that as long as you know it still meets the classifications to be called whiskey. So if you want to take the whiskey and then age it in a tequila barrel, you can do that. What does that make? Makes whiskey. Oh, but but the tequila has no effect on the flavor of that whiskey. Well, it absolutely does. Oh, so is that a good thing? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So barrel science, I mean, you know, it's it's something that's been happening for a long time. You'll see uh, a lot of scotches that are aged in ex sherry casks. So you'll see a, a you'll say like PX or or Loso. Um, those those are different types, different sherries. P- PX is Pedro Jimenez. Mm. So there's there's different there's different sherries that they'll age the they'll take the sherry out, and uh, you know bottle that sell it, and then the barrels after they're they're used a number of times they they stop really giving an effect for the grapes, mm. right? So the the sherry's maybe not coming out the same way, so they start making new new sherry butts, and when they do that, they take this one that's been used up, and now they're they're shipping it off to to Scotland or to somewhere and they're making uh whiskey and aging it either uh the entire time so so it, it, it matures in that barrel or sometimes it will mature in a new oak barrel or a used oak barrel and then it will be transferred to finish in a sherry cask or uh, a port cask or a rum cask you know there's lots of different things out there uh there's a a wine, a, uh, I don't remember the country, I want to say Hungary, Hungarian, but could be wrong, a Hungarian maybe, dessert wine called uh, Tokai. And uh, Glenn Morangy has this guy who's like absolutely mental. I love the guy, he's Dr. Bill Lumsden, and he, he's literally a PhD doing whiskey stuff, mm. right? Like hit. I don't know what his degree, what his, what his doctorate is in specifically, probably something to do with, you know, chemistry, but he's, he's going out there and he's finding these random barrels and he's aging whiskey in these, in these random barrels and making some of the most brilliant, uh, you know, whiskeys that, that you've had. And you talk, you talked earlier about rare. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes there's, you know, sometimes there's 15,000 bottles, which sounds like maybe a lot. Not when you've got I mean, more than 15,000 people looking for it. Right. And wanting more than one bottle. <laughs> right. And then and then sometimes uh, you'll have somebody who, who produces something and there's, uh, you know, 500 bottles. Del Bach will put out uh, different releases and there'll be, you know, less than 1,000 bottles. And I always make sure I get three. Mm. Have you ever had Bacanora before? Oh, yeah. Huge Bacanora fan. How would you describe that to people who've never heard of it? It's like uh, tequila, but good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's made in Mexico, and I had some on my trip when I went to Hermosillo. Mm. And um, I, I experienced the same thing. I tried some of it. It wasn't a bottle I had, and I'll never find it again because the people mm-hmm. were very small. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Group. I mean, uh, you talk about like like rare, unique, one-off Every batch is different because when you when you make when you make whiskey, so this is the Traverse City whiskey straight bourbon. It's barrel proof. This was a single barrel private select for pitch, but I guarantee they could make the same whiskey 
taste almost, almost indiscernible if they wanted to do it again today, mm. okay, by, by blending it with other flavors and things. Now, this is a single barrel, but they could make something that tasted like that, right? You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So they single barrel means they took the whiskey out of one barrel, dumped it in a container, and bottled it. One barrel. Somebody uh, from, from Pitch went and or, or got samples sent to them, but or they went there to the distillery, and they're like, I want this. This tastes good. And they bottled it for them and sent it to them. When you, when you have the capabilities of mixing multiple barrels to make something taste like that, that's, that's not cheating, by the way. You can do that. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's all still, you know, totally legit and uh, a thing that happens every single day. But when you talk about these uh, mescaleros down in Mexico who, who get these uh, different agaves and they make the spirits, man... You talk about uh, rare. They could have a, you know, a batch of water that was different. They could have the the uh, the mezcal grew over here on this field, and this one grew up there on this hill. Mm. And so they had different experiences for 10, 15, 25 years. Mm. And, and so, you know, when you talk about Bacanora, it's usually, it's kind of like moonshine. You know, okay. It, it ain't moonshine if you're paying taxes on it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So it means that it's being made in somebody's still in their garage or out in a field, you know, far, far away from all prying eyes that are gonna try to get someone to pay taxes on it. When, when you, when you're making spirits that way, you're not making the perfect recipe that tastes the same every time. Yeah. And so one batch to the next is gonna be different. Sometimes it's similar, but you know what what helps is when you can take that spirit, whatever it is, put it in a barrel, age it for a certain amount of time, have multiple barrels that are of the similar spirit, and be able to blend it and come up with a consistent product. Okay. And how do you feel about people mixing different bourbons with soda or things like that? So I subscribe to the uh, theory that the, the whiskey tribe does, which is rule one, or which has, has a number of rules. Rule one is the best whiskey is the whiskey you like the way you like to drink it. Hmm. So if you like to take McAllen M and pour it up with some ginger ale, and you can afford to do that, <laughs> be my guest. <laughs> Go for it. Huh. Yeah, I also talked to somebody who's, you know, Jesse Ortega. He's into this. Yeah. I, I messaged him about that and asked him the same question. He pretty much gave me the same answer, which was like, you know. Yeah. He knows people who've done that. But I, for some reason, as a, I, I, would, I thought that people were just Puritans and didn't want you to do that. I certainly would recommend giving it a try neat just to see what it's like, to know whether you actually like the, the spirit you're pouring there. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. But that specific whiskey could also blend really well with like a oh, gin- absolutely. ginger ale and create something different that you really like because it's that absolutely. Specific thing. In fact, um, one of the one of the things I did uh, about two years ago with uh, another guy, we bought a we went in halves on a bottle, and it was a bottle of uh, Dalmore cigar malt. Okay, so it's a Scotch single malt, um, really really great taste in whiskey. 
I say we went halves on it. I think it's a $150 bottle. So it's not like it was insanely expensive, but it's not cheap. It's not something you're going to go buy and drink every day. Yeah. You know, but I, one, one of the things we decided when we bought it, we, we before we purchased that particular bottle, we went to Total Wine together. We said, look, we're going to buy something that we don't normally buy and we're going to drink it however we, we want to drink it. That means if I want to have it with, if, if I want to have it with ginger ale, I'm going to have it with ginger ale. If I want to drink it on ice, I'm going to drink it on ice. And and so what I did is I actually made a cocktail with it. I made a cocktail. I made a, a, a Coke Zero and, and whiskey. So I did a Coke Would Zero. you ever consider drinking that out of a, uh, like a Twizzler? Out of a licorice stick? <laughs> <sighs> so I remember doing that with like soda when I was a kid. <laughs> and you know, that was cool or whatever. <laughs> But but to be to be perfectly honest, I would have to say probably not. Okay, I'm just I'm and, 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 throwing and, out there. But only because I don't like that chalky residue that comes through. Oh, okay. Otherwise, if it's the flavor that we're going for, like the strawberryish flavor, and you know, all day, all day. <laughs> so my very first experience with whiskey was a very disgusting. Wh- Actually, I don't even know if this is whiskey. Like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's like, oh god, I got, I'll be right back. I gotta go eat more chimichangas. Yeah, this is <laughs> blends him up, pours him in a glass, <laughs> and drinks <laughs> that instead. Am I doing this right? Um, <laughs> With a Twizzler straw. W- wait, w- Southern Comfort. What is that? Southern Comfort is regret in a bottle. But is it technically labeled as a whiskey? Let's look it up because I'm going to be perfectly honest and say I've stayed away from that. Well, well, that's no, that's good that you have. Everyone (laughs) should stay away from it, but unfortunately, it says it's a whiskey liqueur. Okay. Yes, that's. I knew it wasn't a whiskey. It was something. It was specialty. So yes, whiskey liqueur. So it's because it's like 35 percent alcohol by volume. I think. Oh, as opposed to like the 40. It needs to be 40 percent to be considered whiskey. So like, uh, what's that peanut butter uh, screwball? Mm-hmm. It's it's not forty percent alcohol by volume. Fireball, not a whiskey. Yeah, that's gross. It says whiskey on it, but what it what it says is that it's flavored whiskey or whiskey flavored, one of those two. Mm-hmm. And they're in some hot water actually right now. They're getting sued for selling uh, something that says not whiskey, and it has not whiskey on the label, but people are suing them because it's not whiskey. Hmm. Whiskey flavored product or something of that nature. Oh, okay. And so, so there's, there's some group of, well, think about it. You know, the people that are like, I thought this was whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Of course they're going to (laughs) sue a company because they can't read it. It says not whiskey on the bottle. Right. I can't read that. Exactly. It needs to come with a little, like how those cards open up and have a song. It just needs to have a button on it that just reads out what the ingredients. Not a whiskey. Not a whiskey. Whiskey not included. Southern Comfort was my first experience, uh, first quote unquote, I guess you could say experience with whiskey or what I thought was whiskey. And that stuff is terrible. Who drinks, who drinks Southern Comfort? Because they're still in business. I didn't like Janice Joplin die from that. Probably. I hate Janis Joplin. Really? That's all I can think of when I hear like she has Which that song. Where she's like, na 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 na. Okay. I mean, she, and I love seventies music. Doesn't she have some kind of Tucson connection? 
Everybody does. I mean, probably. <laughs> yeah, she went to rehab here like seven <laughs> rides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This Southern, Southern Comfort Inn. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually liked her her voice. It's raspy and it's very raspy. Yes, but I actually liked it. You are correct. She, what that you liked it? Oh no, that her voice is raspy. <laughs> I'm trying to it find is. it. It's very raspy. It's not your typical voice by any means. I'm not even sure if I could find it at this point. Well, if you do, if you look up, um, what's the one where she goes? No, 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 no. Ask Google. Ask Google. Hey Siri. Okay, that's Google. <laughs> <laughs> what? Siri G- didn't know. Janice Joplin song. Is it that piece of my heart? Say, nah, 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 nah. I think it's a song called Piece of My Heart. Me and Bobby McGee? Yep. Oh. Let's see. Is it playing over here? Oh, I think I have to connect it via Bluetooth, which I thought I did, but I didn't. And it's going to go. But yeah, anyways, I love 70s music. I don't know why I associated her with that. I think I watched a documentary one time and they were like, yep, Janice, she died from the bottle. Don't. She was 27 too, right? Yeah, she was 27. But I mean. I was 27. You were 27? Just once. Oh, wow. (laughs) Let me find it in the lyrics on Spotify. Was this last year? Two years. Three years. Hang on, I'm doing the math. Well, she gets a little more intense at the end of the song. <laughs> the Lottie Dottie does does like twelve ish years ago. Twelve years ago. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to tap there. I don't know. That's all I think of. Sorry, <clears throat> that was a tangent. Welcome to Crazy Scoops podcast. Um, <laughs> continuing on, you were talking about something tech. To do with oh, them. you know what? We never answered the question about the labor shortage. Yeah, because when I worked with you briefly, I remember we would pull up to a place and you'd open the panel and be like, whoever worked on this last was an idiot. Sometimes, yeah. Like, yeah. So people have been cutting corners for a long time. Oh, man. People have been cutting corners for decades. The problem is that as equipment is getting more and more technical, like equipment is becoming more efficient and there's more technology in it, mm-hmm. the the labor pool is getting dumber and Denser. Would you say dumber or would you say more focused on something else? For instance, I don't, I work with computers now. And while I have least, like, less of a knowledge of how my toilet works, I am understanding how to connect your business so it can function. That's, yeah, some people have a focus on, on things that aren't air conditioning and they're just in it for a paycheck. Oh. Right, the people within the in the job in the industry. Yeah, so what I, what I mean by the labor pool, like for the air conditioning trades, like there are people that are graduating from school, and I and I I've made this joke for years that couldn't HVAC their way out of a wet paper bag. I don't think I could. Could you, Aaron? But you didn't graduate from a trade school. Oh, I think you were graduating <laughs> from high school. I was like, no. I couldn't do anything out of. A, I'm still no, stuck in a paper people, bag. There are people that are going to trade schools. And, and I mean, spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for six, six month, 12 month, 18 month courses. Okay. And, and they get done and, and it's like, you know, you interview these people, you give them uh, technician assessments 
And it's very clear that they have absolutely no understanding of what they were taught. Hmm. They can use technical jargon. They can talk in circles all day. Mm-hmm. But they don't know how to apply what they learned to the field. So if you were, let's say someone wanted to get into the HVAC business and they wanted to go to school, what kind of things would you tell them to focus on while they're going through their courses? Don't go to school. Oh. Don't go get $15,000 in debt to learn something that I could teach you in the first three months on the job while you get paid. Hmm. We, we, we build our own technicians. What that means is that we, we find people who are very much unlike the person that I dealt with at Wendy's today. <laughs> people who are able to have conversations with people. Okay. Okay. So if you can, if you can string together enough words to make a sentence, somebody's going to hire you. Yeah. Wendy's, right? But when you can articulate well enough that you can, you know, carry a thought across to, from, from your brain to somebody else's, and, and you can ha- show empathy and you can tell by looking at that person that they're comfortable or uncomfortable with how things are going. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we call that emotional intelligence. People with high emotional intelligence or uh, high, uh, e- I think it's e- emotional, was it EQ, emotional quotient, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Pe- people like that, man, snap those people up for your organization because it doesn't matter what you do, it matters how you talk to people, how you treat people. So we hire people based on, um, I call them soft skills. We hire, we hire the, the people that, that can just communicate. I, I talk about being articulate and then I can't articulate. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like they got the stuff, you know, the they, stuff. Yeah, finding, yeah. finding the perfect analogy is like, Shooting fish it's like, in the ocean and not in a barrel. It's like, you know? Yeah, I get it. You know what, Chris? <laughs> Nothing has been more better. You so. don't even have to finish your sentence. We so I it. want you to put uh, Aaron through the uh, Chris School of Air Conditioning. One time you expressed to me that there's no such thing as cold. There is only the absence of heat. Would you like to unpack that statement for us? You got that backwards. There is no such thing as heat. There's only the absence of cold. <laughs> no, you said it right the first time. So <laughs> there's there's heat, and then there's the absence of heat, right? So, we'll, and then there's the desire for all things in the universe to be at balance. So, if this was 400 degrees, and you put your hand by it, you're gonna feel that warmth, right? Mm-hmm. It's because there's we're trying to balance things out. Um, that. That doesn't make your hand cold. It just has less heat. Than the glass. Than the glass. Ah. Yeah. There you go. Is that my mind is, That's pretty much, yeah. My so mind is blown. Air conditioning is the distribution of gases then, correct? Air conditioning is the... me this <laughs> well i mean i remember one time i analogized it by having like a the air dusters for your computer computer well isn't isn't the definition in the actual word you're conditioning the air yeah there you go <laughs> the temperature that you yeah, want it so to I'm be like you have hair conditioner and you got air conditioner <laughs> air conditioner <laughs> Anyways, if you spray the can of of a dust so stupid, dust oh my god 
Anyways, if you take a can of gas or air and you spray it, the, the tin is becoming become cold because when you let gas out of something, it freezes. But when you put gas into something, it heats up. Yes, yeah, so what you're talking about is uh, a pressure change. Yeah. When you have a change in pressure, there's a correlating change in temperature. Okay. If you have a, a, a pressure suddenly drop, the temperature will follow. And is that how air conditioners work? Yeah. It's, it's basically what we're doing with air conditioning is we are uh, creating high pressure and then moving that high pressure to low pressure. And we're uh, either uh, absorbing or rejecting heat during both processes. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, it's not about bringing in. It's funny. We're not, we're not bringing cold air into your house. We're not even bringing cold refrigerant into your house in air conditioner. Mm-hmm. We're actually bringing a hot liquid refrigerant into your home. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're bringing that in on a tube. And then through a tiny little orifice, so tiny little opening, we're allowing the pressure to change. So we're letting that that gas that liquid come through that orifice and expand into a gas. And with that pressure drop, the temperature drops. Now that that uh, refrigerant traveling through the the coil is is cold, mm-hmm. right? Or it's colder than what's the air passing through the coil on on the, uh, the system. And so what that does is that refrigerant absorbs the heat in your home mm-hmm. and then it travels through the refrigerant tubing back out to the outdoor unit. And then the heat's rejected. With that fan coil. on the outside that spins? Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's simple and extremely complicated at the same time. I like... Uh, what is uh, the, there's a, there's another guy in, uh, in the industry who's a, a tremendous educator, Brian Orr, and uh, he describes air conditioning as being, uh, I think he says it's more than rocket science, mm-hmm. something to that nature. But uh, yeah, I, I always used to call it rocket surgery. <laughs> you got people who say it's not brain surgery, it's not rocket science. <laughs> this is this is rocket surgery. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Someone told me that they don't use Freon anymore. So, yes and no. So Freon is a, a a trade name. That's like when I say hand me a tissue, oh, or I can say hand Kleenex. me a Kleenex. Yeah. Same thing. So Freon was a trade name that that started out w- way back in the early days. Um, I want to say it was with Dupont, and they there was a refrigerant R12 is the designator for the refrigerant, and then there's R22. And, and that's the refrigerant I think a lot of people associated that name with, that Freon. And then, um, I mean, it really all it is is a blend of chemicals, mm. right? And so it's a, you know, you have uh, CFCs, HCFCs, HFCs. Those are all different chemical blends, right? You have uh, chlorofluorocarbons, hydrochlorofluorocarbons, and hydrofluorocarbons. And so... When, you, when you're able to take and mix those different chemicals together or those different elements together and create those refrigerants, you know, the, those become the, the refrigerant. You have hundreds of different types of refrigerants out there, but the ones that people are most commonly known, you know, uh, they call Freon and say, well, we don't use Freon anymore. Okay. You're just using another gas that's labeled differently. It has the same, almost the same properties. So similar properties in in that it can, can uh, absorb and reject heat in, in, uh, at safe pressures. Mm -hmm. But refrigerants are, are kind of changing pretty rapidly anymore. 
our our twelve was done away with because it was a huge ozone depleter. Uh, R twenty two, same thing. They they they, you know, it it, it depletes the ozone. Uh, so R twenty two was phased out. R four ten A was brought in because it doesn't have it. Ha- it is a zero ozone depleting refrigerant, but it is a greenhouse gas. So it has a global warming property, mm-hmm. GWP, mm-hmm. and that GWP was pretty high. Mm-hmm. So they decided to they the the people of the world I don't know OSHA uh, the air conditioning sensei at the top of the hill right next to Sensei Bourbon. Um, <laughs> no, no, Sensei Bourbon hates that guy. He kicked him out. No. <laughs> uh, the EPA and and other um, uh, regulated agencies around the world okay have have determined that this. R410A is a greenhouse gas and will be phased out of uh, use in air conditioning systems and eventually out of production. Mm. Um, the refrigerant that's going to replace it, um, it's not just one, but there will be a few. But they're all going to have a similar characteristic and that they are going to be um, an A2L refrigerant. So those designators mean... Um, they classify its toxicity. They toxify the, or they, excuse me, they classify Class. toxicity and they classify the, whether it's flammable. And so A is, is your classification for toxic. So an A refrigerant is non-toxic. Now that doesn't mean, mean huh? Oh, never mind. You, I think you're about to answer my question. Meaning, that doesn't mean that it's like you can sit there and breathe it and it's perfectly fine. It means that um, when you look at the levels for how much you can breathe in a uh, certain, you know, certain cubic foot mm-hmm. amount over an eight-hour period, it's, non, it's not toxic. It's not going to cause long-lasting effect. Um, the, the next de- designator... So R22, R12, 134A, um, 410A, those are all common refrigerants that we've seen in, in the United States, especially over the last couple of decades. Those are all A1 refrigerants, mm-hmm. non-toxic, non-flammable. We're getting into what's called an A2 refrigerant. So two, that number is the flammability rating. So that means that refrigerants are going to be mildly so what that what does that mean? Mildly flammable. We're gonna have flammable gases moving through our our air conditioning systems inside of our houses. Like that sounds pretty scary, mm-hmm. right? But then you stop and you think about the fact that we've got something that is way more flammable, natural gas moving through our pipes in our homes. Yeah, oh, that's true. Right. That's what I always say. It's funny we have electricity and gas at the same. Yeah, in the same appliance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in. Uh, uh, some uh, refrigeration units, there is actually uh, propane for a refrigerant. Hmm. Propane makes a great refrigerant. Turns it's out. just extremely it's just, explosive. It's just <laughs> explosive. So you got to do something about it. Yeah. So you limit how much goes into a system, and uh, so that limits capacity of a su- the the size of you know the, the equipment. But but an A two L refrigerant is mildly flammable. It means that it won't self propagate. So if it catches on fire, like say it's leaking out of a, a thing and I've got a, a flame going and it catches fire, if I move that flame, that fire will just go out. Oh, it'll dissipate. Okay. Yeah. 
It won't like follow it back to yeah, the correct. source of the leak. Like a oh. gas. So the fact that it's slightly more flammable, is that kind of like the trade-off to having it be less toxic as from the standpoint of it, it's not a a greenhouse gas anymore? That's correct. So that's kind of the trade-off. It's more flammable, but it's not. Yeah, it's no longer. There's a, a, a I don't remember if it's a zero GWP, but it's definitely lower. Okay. Than than 410A, um, what's which is funny because 410A is actually a blend of refrigerants, okay. and it's a blend of an A1 and A2L refrigerant. Okay. And for years they have been using A2L refrigerants in Europe, mm-hmm. and they decided not to do that in the United States, so they made our 410A. It's a blend of refrigerants that make it safe to use. Hmm. Yeah, I actually didn't even think about that, that they would use different refrigerant inside the systems, whether it was here or in Europe. Okay, so how long does it actually take? Or I have two questions. Number one is how long does it actually take once they they change over to a new standard? How long does it take before all the old refrigerant gets replaced? Because, like, how often does the refrigerant get replaced? So, I mean, there's still refrigerants out there with R12, or refrigerators. Okay. There's still refrigerators out there with R12. So they stopped manufacturing R12 in the United States in the, gosh, it's been a long time since I took my EPA test. I want to say that they stopped manufacturing R12 in the United States in the early 90s, like 92, 94, somewhere in there. Okay. But they're not manufacturing it, but they can still capture it mm-hmm. from, so we can reclaim or recover the refrigerant out of a system, mm-hmm. take it down to a, a center, and, and they will recycle it. So they'll clean it, bring it back to a uh, standard of, of like new purity, mm-hmm. and then resell that refrigerant. And So yeah. doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of moving the standard? We're no longer manufacturing it. Okay, so this is only the manufacturing that's being affected. It's not the use. Because you would think by moving away from a refrigerant. I have, I have cans of R12 in my shop. Like brand new... Cans of DuPont 12. Well, I, I guess was... was the good old days. <laughs> I, I guess why I'm asking is because if we're moving... A, if we're quote-unquote moving away from a refrigerant because it's considered a greenhouse gas, right? Or a global... How did you say? A global, a global warming? Global warming... Um, GWP global, has global warming properties. Global warming. So if we're moving away from that, you would think as the old stuff gets reclaimed, it would get disposed of and replaced with the new thing, right? Does that kind of... Make. So I, I completely am with you on that. And so what it comes down to is you've got, uh, let's say you've got a, a place that can't afford to convert their system, mm-hmm. you know, either replace it and, and, and install a, a whole new system using a uh, oh. non, non-CFC or non-HCFC I see. refrigerant. So the- the system has to be changed. You can't just swap out the fluid. The system has that to change. That is correct. Okay, I didn't understand. So there are replacement refrigerants that you can use to, um, to to get to get the old older equipment operational. Okay. But they're one. They're not drop-ins. You can't just drop this in there. You may have to. Um, inst- you might have to recover or. At, put additives for, for refrigerant lubrication. Mm-hmm. So the for the lubrication, it's not for anything except, it's not like the refrigerant needs lubricant. 
but it does your your motor inside your compressor. Oh, there's moving parts inside that compressor I that see. need lubrication. Okay, and the problem is that 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 uh, that lubrication is going to latch on to that refrigerant. Mm-hmm. Right, they're going to mix. There's what we call miscibility with refrigerant and oil, mm-hmm. and so as it travels through the system, if it doesn't mix well, it could end up getting logged somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you could have like a, a coil that's just got a bunch of oil sitting right there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so you want to have that refrigerant be able to make its way back and continue to lubricate the compressor. And so if you take a, uh, for instance, if you take an R22 system that has mineral oil and you you recover the R22 and you put in a refrigerant 407C, all right, 407C and mineral oil don't have a good miscibility. Mm-hmm. So you'll burn out your compressor. Okay. So you have to either uh, pull the oil out of there and put in the correct oil or put an additive that creates miscibility between the two. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one other quick question. This has to do with cars. Mm-hmm. Well, how does the, the system inside of a vehicle differ from the system? Obviously the size, but other than that, how does the system differ in a vehicle versus a, a home or a building? Okay. So let's think about how they are similar first. So, in any air conditioning system, refrigeration system, automobile refrigeration, right, there's, there's four main components. You have what's, uh, what's called a compressor or a pressure increaser, mm-hmm. okay? Then you have a condenser or a heat rejector, mm-hmm. okay? Then you have a metering device that's going to be the pressure decreaser, and then you have the evaporator coil, which is your pressure excuse me, your uh, heat absorber, okay? So you'll have all four of those components inside of an automobile. It's just the way that the compressor works is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, The metering device may be a different type. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really the the, the difference between like an air conditioner or a refrigerator or an ice machine, Mm -hmm. any of those things. Okay. Oh. So, oh. No, go ahead. I have two questions now. Since we've been talking about air conditioning, I'm going to talk about the heating. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it here. What is car? What causes carbon monoxide poisoning or to escape from a heater? In yeah, your house? so <clears throat> we actually have a client that we're dealing with right now that we have to get uh, a proposal to them to replace their heater. They have a, 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 a compromised heat exchanger. It's kind of uncommon and. Tucson to have cracked heat exchangers, but it does happen. Um, are you asking what causes those types of failures? Or are you asking what just just what where do we get carbon monoxide from? Well, I know like it's the what whenever the heat creates carbon monoxide, it's like actual flames, right? So so carbon monoxide is a byproduct of combustion. Okay. So I'm asking that question more to get to the point of like you know I used to clean windows, but no one was going to die if I cleaned a window wrong. How does it feel working in a job where you know that the byproduct of someone doing a bad job on your team could be lethal? Yeah. Um, funny you say that. So um, there have been numerous stories, even here in Arizona, where somebody has not done their job properly and either didn't do a good inspection and didn't find a crack in a heat exchanger, um, didn't put the, the flu or the, where the combustion goes through to make to the exit of the home, didn't put that together correctly, 
and have caused uh, illness and death. And so it's something that we, you know, we instill in our people. I mean, this is serious. You know, we, we, have, to, we have to know that, that they understand that, that somebody could be seriously injured or die. And, you know, I mean, we, we're insured, mm-hmm. but I don't want to rely <laughs> on that. You're insured. Oh, sorry you passed away. Anyways, here's $20,000. <laughs> we, we, we carry an insurance policy so that a family could be compensated. I yeah. mean, you can't really compensate somebody for a loss like that. No. But, I mean, you know, we, we, take, uh, we take that kind of thing very serious. I mean, we, we utilize a software that allows us to uh, force the technicians to take pictures. Um, so we review those kinds of things to make mm-hmm. sure that, that that sort of thing is done correctly. Do you feel like people take that in consideration when they're getting someone to check out their heater, air conditioner? No. That's what I was thinking. I don't think the general public. The general public is looking at things like how cheap it is going to be. Yep. You know, they're looking for Chuck and a truck Mm -hmm. to come out to their house and do the cheapest thing that they can find. And, you know, we generally speaking, not that we're overpriced, but we're generally not the cheapest thing out there. Yeah. We, we spend a lot of time and money on training. Uh, Our, almost our entire team. So we have a rule that you have to be with us a year before we'll take you on a trip, but we'll take our technicians with us to training classes around the country. So we just were in Florida in January for the HVACR uh, symposium. Uh, what was it? The fourth annual. <clears throat> and uh, it's funny, you, you mentioned carbon dioxide. Everybody there. Not everybody. A lot of people there, they wear personal carbon monoxide alarms. So it's mm. not an alarm. It's just something that you wear in your shirt pocket like a pen. Wow. And when uh, levels, it, it's actually a meter showing you even even one part per million, one ppm, it's showing you in the atmosphere around your environment. And uh, there's been guys who are, are staying in uh, hotels and they're their carbon monoxide meter starts going off in the middle of the night, you know, and, and they're like, Oh, time to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. So, cause I thought I, you, you know, I thought that was a requirement, but I guess it's not. For, so a for, carbon monoxide alarm mm-hmm. and a carbon monoxide meter are very different things. Mm-hmm. So carbon monoxide alarms, if you, if you were to look at a standard CO alarm, mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's gonna give you an alert somewhere around 80 parts per million. Okay. And that's after it's been at that level for anywhere from, I forget the standard, it's like 60 to 120 minutes. Okay. So if it's that high for that long. Mm-hmm. You've already been you're affected. Al- you already have carbon monoxide. It's not poisoning, but you have carbon monoxide illness. You're lightheaded, so you're going to be dizzy. Uh, you could be feeling nauseated. And if it gets much higher... 120 you could become unconscious wow and so, so if it if the levels creep up fast enough that alarm might not go off in time to alert you to the fact that there's danger present because carbon monoxide is colorless odorless and tasteless and so your your uh, standard home carbon monoxide alarm is probably not adequate to the task 
Well, I'm going to sleep good tonight. <laughs> really good if you have carbon monoxide poisoning. I know. No. Speaking of uh, lightheaded yeah. and dizziness, <laughs> let me finish my whiskey. <laughs> well, where um, can you buy? Oh, sorry. Where can you wait, buy? Can't a, you get parakeets and, uh, and just let that be your carbon yeah, monoxide? Yeah, minor birds are, uh, are usually the best way to tell. The mm-hmm. canary test. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, canary. I think there's a brand of sensor called Canary, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it yellow? I think it's gray. Oof. Canary got toasted. But you could get some spray paint if that's what you're into. <laughs> it just, Speaking of it goes head. over all the sensors. You're just holding a yellow pen around with you. He died happy doing what he loved best with that yellow pen. We don't know what it did, but he loved having it with him. Man. Well, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. Well, as we wrap this up, I have one more question about business. Or unless Aaron had another one. Yeah, Aaron mentioned something. Earlier. Do you have anywhere to be? No. Oh, I don't, we can I don't keep have going. any. I, yeah, no. I, I, I carved out till nine. What time is it? Oh, we got all seven hours to go. <laughs> nine a.m. Here we are in the fourth hour. <laughs> <laughs> Talking there's, with. There's no more whiskey. <laughs> there's no more whiskey. Chris's um. pants are on his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, said I, I had to wear my pants. Yeah. Say where. I said, please, Chris, just wear the pants. Um, you know, you, you had, had a business for like 10 years now? Uh, you know what? Yeah, this uh, this July makes 10 years. Yeah. So what would you, hmm, there's people who want to start their own businesses. Um, obviously, they're younger than you or maybe older. I don't know. But what would you, what do you think you went into it when you went to start your business? What's something you wish you knew that you know now? Which is a pretty standard question. All I wish right, I so more deep than that, but so my, my my best advice for somebody starting a new business is talk to other business owners who like their business. Mm. Don't talk to somebody who's like, oh yeah, no, don't do that. Don't start a business because they're they're unhappy because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I recently graduated from uh, training for to become a business coach. Okay. And I mean, if somebody wants to, if somebody's listening to this right now and they would like to talk to me about starting a business, reach out. 1-800-CHRIS-PLUNKETT. Um, reach out. Uh, Chris.plunkett at conquernow.com. Conquernow.com? That's correct. Okay. And uh, shoot me an email. Tell me, hey, I want to start a business. I'm interested and I don't know what to do. Doesn't matter what kind of business? No. Uh, is it, I, I'm going to be able to help somebody who wants to start a business in the trades world, but that doesn't mean I won't have advice for somebody who's starting any kind of business. Okay. I will definitely pick your brain, but Absolutely. maybe, maybe not all on here. Cause this it could probably Aaron wants to drop ship. So, um, no, but see, these are the things you miss when you don't record in person. You miss these, these interactions. Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. Zoom is for losers. But might not be an option. So might be our only option. Oh man! At some point, who knows? Oh, no. Who knows? I'm just, just saying. Know. Sit everybody six feet apart. It's only like eighteen feet. Yeah. <laughs> I well, stand ten feet apart from the people I work with, and they still make me sick. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> That's my COVID joke. No, That's I, all I got. I, w- I would hope that would never happen again. But. No. So, so my number, my number two tip for somebody starting a business: don't pay somebody to form your LLC. Okay. But get an LLC. 
it is super, super easy, and it's almost free. But I see people out there spending three, four, five hundred, fifteen hundred dollars to have a CPA create an LLC for them, and it's just don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, makes sense. Um, I've helped numerous people do it for free. Now, for your type of business, you don't need a reseller's permit, correct? Mm. <clears throat> so I think what you're talking about is, um, like, for Tucson, for dealing with taxes. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about uh, the construction world is a couple years ago, they were like, hey, uh, we're not doing that anymore with air conditioning people or with, with trades. Mm-hmm. You pay the sales tax on it when you buy it. Okay. And it just makes life so much easier. Gotcha. Oh, because you pay for it when you buy it, and then when you sell it, you don't have to count that. Correct. Oh, man. Nice. Yeah, so there's no more, like, you know, filling out tax-exempt papers at every vendor that you buy stuff from and dealing with all that garbage. Man. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to have more questions for you, but that's, that's really good. So that's a really good point. How do you feel about being a boss now? Was that something you thought that you wanted to do initially? You know, yeah. You wanted to be a I boss. Wanted, I wanted to. I wanted, I didn't want to like, I didn't, I'm the boss. You know, I know, you know, bossing people around. But um, interestingly enough, um, Boyd said something to me that just really stayed with me all these years. Uh, at the time, Boyd had one, two, three, I think he had three, if not four employees. And he told me, he's like, it is a great sense of purpose and it's an honor to be responsible for four families' salaries. Mm. Like if I didn't do what I do, or if I didn't do what's necessary, these families would go without. Now, obviously they would leave and go somewhere else and get what they need, but how cool is it that you get to be responsible or be a part of, you know, in my case, I have four plus my own family. So I have four, four different families that I'm responsible for, you know, mm. the needs that, that they have to meet every day. That's interesting. But I've never I, heard it expressed that way. <clears throat> it's, it's, uh, it's very different, but I'm, I'm so grateful to the, to the people that we have on our team without, without the team that we have, we wouldn't be able to do, I wouldn't be able to be sitting here right now. I mean, you would still be sitting here, I assure you. The bar is set pretty low for people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about having the time to be able to do this. Oh. It's, it, it, we're, we're, we're recording at 820, 8.30 on a, on a Monday evening. Yeah. I used to work until 15, 16 hours a day. I'd work, I'd work 10, 12 hours a day in the field and then come home and work five, six hours in the office. Yeah, because when I worked with you, it was just me and you. And, and, and we were working 12, 14-hour days. Yeah. And I was pretty new back then in business. Yeah, um, I would definitely say I've learned a lot since those days. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the leadership ability that I had back then was trash. Um, I, you know, I viewed employees as, you know, they're here to make my life easier. I literally said that to one of my employees once. Yeah, that was me. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Basically, when I worked with Chris, it was like, hand me that tool. And I was like, are you sure you're going to pay me for this? <laughs> He's like, I won't if you don't hand me the tools. I won't be able to because we'll still be here. Uh, no, I, I actually told him one day that, uh, you know, hey, look, you know, you're, you're here because, you know, you're here to make my life easier. And wow. It, I was so backwards. Like, I'm in the role that I'm in to make his life better. Yeah. That's, that's the goal that I have as a business owner is to make my employees lives better. And so this would, you were, how old are you right now? I am a man of a certain age. Okay. Cause that 39. Oh yeah. So you're the 10 years ago. You're the age I am right now when you started your business. Yeah. Yep. I started my company when I was in my twenties and, uh, my late twenties, but, uh, Yeah. Being a business owner has been my my thirties. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't didn't really see myself as doing that. I feel like I need a little bit more uh, other qualities to hammer out before I endeavor on that adventure. Um, when it comes as a business owner, when it comes to pricing, you mentioned earlier that you you realize that you weren't necessarily one of the cheapest guys out there. Yeah, you can't afford to be. So how do you find that balance? as far as knowing what to charge and how do you convince people? And this might be a marketing thing maybe, but how do you convince people that, yeah, you're not the cheapest, but you're, you're worth it. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, what you have to do is you have to figure out what are your costs. You have to know those numbers. Mm -hmm. Once you know what those numbers are and you know how much money you need to break even Mm -hmm. on an hour, on a day, on a week, on a month, on an install, on a service call, when you know those numbers and you know them well, and, and I'll be honest, I know those numbers fairly well, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of room to grow, mm-hmm. right? But when you can dial those numbers in, you know exactly, it's not even about how much you're worth, it's about how much you need in order to be able to do the job and be able to still have a shop with the lights turned on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And and at a certain point, you'll find that it won't matter what the customers, you know, think about how much you're charging you're going you're gonna to know what your value is, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to make sure that you bring that value to your clients. Um, I, I've, had, I've, I've used the example twice with customers. One time, a lady told me she didn't give a crap. And another time, a guy was like, no, that makes sense. Let's do business. So the example I used was an iPhone. What is Apple's net profit on an iPhone, percentage-wise? I would say, let's see, the screen costs about $100, the battery. I would say... 10%. No, no, the profit. No, no, he said the net. The gross amount would be the, the total that no, they no, sell no. it so, for, right? So, so what it, what it, not what it costs me, what is, what is their net profit in percentage? Right, so my guess would be 70... I would say 70%. So you think that uh, 70% of every iPhone goes right into Apple's pocket? I say 25. No, no, no. Let's say 60. 60. Because you, you look at the, the bill of materials and then the shipping, shipping and all that. Yeah. I would say six, anywhere from, it depends on, it also depends on which model you're talking because the, the different sizes, right? But just I'm say just, the newest one. But just an average, I'm just going to say 60% prob- probably goes into their pocket. Antonio, you say uh, 25. 
100%. Okay. So let's let's start with, uh, let's, let's ask another question now. What percentage of an air conditioning installation do you think is profit for an average company? Air conditioning installation? Yep. New, new home, not new home, but a, a, a retrofit system for an, an existing home. Are we talking just the the fan, the whole, the whole system, the indoor, the outdoor, including the duct work? And not all not that? not the duct work, just the air conditioning system. Although you should replace the duct work in a lot of situations. Okay. Um. So you're asking how much profit would go towards them? You know, how, how much do you think that they're making in profit on an average air conditioning system installation? Well, they bought. Well, they had to buy the system. Them's yeah, which is a lot. The installation, the labor is, gonna, is what's going to cost the most money. I say 15%. Okay. A lot of this is going to buying the stuff, and it's expensive. And the crane, sometimes you have to pay to get. I would say 50%. You think 50%? Yeah. So we're talking net profit. All the bills are paid. And I'm keeping 50%. He says 15, you say 50 Oh, after everything is paid. Yeah, we're talking when everything is paid. And, and same with the iPhone. 30, 35. 35. Percent. Yeah. Okay. The average person out there doing installs, uh, license, licensed contractors, is probably netting themselves somewhere between uh, 3 and 8%. Ooh. Wow. <clears throat> and the only reason why you can make a living off that is because everything is just so expensive anyways. That the no. Three, no. No. Those people aren't making a living. That's oh. the problem. Their businesses are making squat. Oh. At the end of a year, they don't have profit in the business. They may have paid the owners a salary, but that doesn't leave the business a profit. Mm. Okay, so okay, so you're actually running a business that's not profitable. It's just maintaining itself. You're still That's able not to me. Pay. I'm talking about most contractors out there. We finished out the year in 2021 uh, with a 22% profit. 22, okay. We finished out the year last year with a 15% profit, and that was my fault because I didn't change my pricing to match the inflation that we had on uh, parts in our service department. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Apple, on their, on their iPhones, turns around a 50 to 55% profit year after year. Oh, okay. And that's not on a particular model. That's on iPhones, that business. Okay. So they separate their businesses out into different groups. Mm-hmm. They're, they're turning a 50 to 55% profit on their iPhones. Wow. Um, the average business owner is under undervaluing their own, their own companies. Mm. So I had a customer, I asked them that very question. How much, how much do you think um, Apple profits on their phones? And, and they were like... 12%. Okay. Do you think it's fair that I asked for 12%? Because it told me I was my price was too much. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair that I asked for 12%? Because I shoot for 15. Mm-hmm. That's what we shoot for 15% on installations. Mm-hmm. And on certain things that people want that are a little bit more involved, that margin may go up a little bit because there's more headache involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting for that job to go sideways. And my team is really good, so it usually doesn't. But customers can be really difficult sometimes and want things that don't exist. Yeah. And so when things go sideways, we have money in the bank to cover that. Right. So, but the lady, the lady told me, I don't care what Apple makes for their, 
for their phones, and I don't care what you make. It's too much money. This guy down the road can do it cheaper. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's fine. When he screws it up, don't call me. Because then it's more expensive to fix it anyways. So oh then God, yes. how would you help someone who's like in a business, for instance, a window cleaner? Mm-hmm. How do you help someone to, or a janitor for that matter, evaluate their business at a point where they're actually making money when many people think, oh, you're just throwing out garbage and maybe mopping the floors? Yeah. So, I mean, a part of that's going to go to your marketing, right? And, and what it boils down to is there's, there's a certain amount of educating you got to do for your customers. You have to explain, you have to teach your customers why you're not just a, a janitor. You're not just a window cleaner, right? What what are you providing? A reliable, trustworthy service? Well, yeah, you're providing a service, but really, what is that service that you're providing? Uh, convenience for them. Okay, so they don't have to clean their own windows? No. Okay. But but what they're getting, especially if it's a business, if it's a, if you're a commercial window cleaner, Okay, they're getting a clean storefront, a good image. Yeah, right. If it's a residence, they're getting good clean windows. They're they're gonna get windows that are cleaner than their neighbors, and they're gonna be better than their neighbor. When you're up in those neighborhoods where the people have all the money, right? The only thing they care about is that they're better than the neighbors. Yeah. And so, if you're providing them with windows that look better than their neighbors, that's what they're wanting to pay for. They don't want clean windows. They want to be better than their neighbors. Well, what I would tell people... It's marketing, right? Mm-hmm. I tell so, people they spend millions of dollars for this view. Why would you have it distorted by dust or anything? And and you know what? Maybe they just paid millions of dollars to have a better house than the guy that lives next door to them. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So there's, there's, I mean, you have to figure that out for yourself, what your business is what it does then what are some resources someone could research i guess if they're trying to hammer into their head that this isn't just cleaning windows it's a business that has to get i mean i can't go here and do this if i'm not getting paid but you have to help people understand that so a good resource would be reaching out to um somebody like the wizard of ads the wizard of ads wizard of ads ads or ads 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 like advertisement. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, that that sort of thing is is part of developing a a brand and a marketing plan. Um, another another person to help develop a brand is a guy named Dan Antonelli. Uh, he has a business called Kick Charge Creative. And they have some, he, he's got some really cool brands he's designed over the years. If you look him up, he's got some pretty neat stuff. Okay, so just to just to repeat real quickly, the first company you mentioned was Wizard of Ads. So that's like I would Google that, and that's they'll come yeah. up. Yep, or you can uh, look at uh, wizardacademy.org. dot hmm. org. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. All right, and then what was the other the other guy? Uh, the other one, uh, I don't remember. It was like that was like thirty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Kick, kick Charge Creative. So Kick Charge Creative, uh, Dan Antonelli develops brands for a lot of home service businesses. And I'll tell you what, man, like his stuff is fire. Like I don't use that term a lot because I'm not a millennial. You aren't? I don't think so. I think you are. I mean, um, yeah, you are. Maybe based on like the year that I was born, like I'm grouped with that. Are you an old soul? Yeah, I, 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 
You like I, Elvis? I identify as You like a, Elvis? Yep. You like I, them 50 films? No, I, I just, I identify as a, uh, a Gen X. Oh, okay. Yeah. As a Gen Xer. Um, do you think everybody should start a business then? No, not everybody is, is, uh, not everybody has that, that entrepreneurial spirit or not everybody can, can recover from a, an entrepreneurial seizure, which is uh, read the email. You'll figure it out. Oh, entrepreneurial. <laughs> well, interesting. The email has nothing to do with electronics. Does that look familiar? Oh yeah. That's, that's Let me the, see who's but yeah, that's Wizard of Ed's. Um, yeah, and then uh, I mean, if you want to get some uh, some marketing knowledge, the Wizard of Ed's, the the Wizard Academy dot org, uh, Wizard Wizard Academy dot org, not the Wizard Academy, but at the Wizard Academy, they do classes. They'll teach you. They'll teach you marketing. Mm. They'll teach you how to do marketing. Um, and in fact, in March, I'll be headed over there, uh, Scarlet and I, for a three day class. Um, it's communications class. Okay. Um, it's called the magical world of communication. Talking. The magical worlds of communication, something of that nature. Uh, March 20, 21st. March 20, I think it's March 21st. Okay. Well, cool. And then what were you and Aaron talking about earlier? I, I don't know. You guys came in and Aaron was like, oh, this person, we can talk about that later. And then I forgot. Well, I think that was part of it. The, Oh, but it was the ad stuff. Yeah, but I didn't get the uh, everyone's names. Though. The the particular individual that I know over there, uh, he's from Tucson. His name is David Young, and uh, that's he, the, that's the a, Wizard of Ads guy. He he's one of the Wizard partners. Yep. So so Roy Williams created the Wizard of Ads. Um, he's he's a brilliant marketing expert, and you know you can only trade so much time for money. And so he started teaching other people how to trade their time for money in the marketing world and training people to be partners of his. Mm. Okay. Roy, Roy H. Williams. And, uh, yeah, his, uh, his organization is pretty cool. They're actually uh, – that organization is, is not, a, not kind of entirely responsible for the Whiskey Tribe, so that whole community. Uh, stems from Roy's son Rex, and uh, another fellow there named Daniel, who was a uh, part of the school, mm-hmm. and uh, they they created the Whiskey Tribe and the, the Whiskey Vault, uh, based on one of their programs that they have there, mm. called uh, the Whiskey Marketing School. So they have a sommelier program. And so uh, my affiliation with the Wizard of Ads and the Academy is having attended the sommelier program. So I have uh, graduated uh, level one and level two sommelier uh, at their at their campus. Hmm. And uh, uh, well, there you go. Uh, so yeah. we've talked about all the interesting things that Chris has to say. That Chris has to say. We're gonna uh, kick him out now. No. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Like. Yeah, I didn't really think you would, so it's awesome you did. I know you're a busy guy. I've been waiting for years. <laughs> for years? I've been waiting years for this invitation. <laughs> Mr. I a. asked you. I asked you once, and you're like, yeah, what will we talk about? And I was like, I don't know. But we were just starting, and it was really hard for me to get like my mind around interviewing like a people. a decade ago. A decade you ago. actually, I was getting my car fixed. 
and you picked me up at a McDonald's. Cool. Yeah. I was like, hey, Chris, you're like, you're you just walking down the street. I was like, no, my car's getting fixed over there. Interesting interaction. <laughs> I'm sure you remember it well. <laughs> I think I had my, uh, did I have my white Ford at the time? I don't know. You were doing that BNI thing. Yeah. Yeah. Probably had my white Ford at the time. Well, any more questions, Aaron? That's a good business resource for people. BNI? Yep. Bunch of people patting themselves on the back. I mean, there's there's probably some of that, <laughs> um, but I mean, what else is marketing? Yeah, I know. I guess I didn't really, I, I hadn't wrapped my mind around what marketing was exactly. I just thought of myself as a window cleaner yeah. and then barely over time I got that I was a business owner and then I sold the business. Let's unpack that. What? <laughs> you didn't know that you were a business owner until you sold your business. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I own this. I can sell it. <laughs> I remember one time when I first started, you were looking over my numbers and you're like, you're just like barely getting by. And I was like, yep, that's my life. <laughs> I was like, you need to raise your prices and you need to start charging for this thing and that thing. And you're like, no, I'm good. They get mad at me when I tell them that. That's <laughs> nah, all good. Well, what I'm doing now is a lot. The way. Interesting. So raise your price 10%. If you lose 5% of your clients because of it. You're still making the difference is made up. I feel like that's a Netflix philosophy right there. <laughs> Change everybody's locks on their houses. God. <laughs> Only they, give one person a key. They really mm-hmm. screwed that up, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, how that's going to go for them uh, in the long term. Yeah. Because I know that a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? All of these shows suck. Exactly. So it doesn't even matter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Disney and But the funny, Amazon. the funny thing is, is that all these people are like, I'm going to cancel my Netflix. And they're like, can I borrow your computer? I have to do it from a computer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You can't. Yeah. yeah. You got to go over to the it. library. You can't even do it from a mobile uh, like an iPad. browser. Yeah. You have to do it from a, from a, from like an actual computer. Well, I can tell like you, this. years ago, my friend Danny predicted it. He said these streaming services are just going to turn into cable television and nickel oh, yeah. and dime you for everything. Mm-hmm. Now we got every. You got you got twenty five different streaming services out there, and if you have all of them, you may as well have cable. But you can't watch cable on demand. Yeah. Wait, yes, you can. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I I am I have no issue. Well, right now, well, never mind. I don't know if I should go into that. <laughs> uh, Do it. Do what it. I, well, I just share accounts with different people. What? So you were s- pirating? Stealing? It's not, no, it's not stealing. But on Netflix, like, there's different, there's, like, different accounts. So That's I cool. just opened up an account on on my uh, roommate. So he pays can for I, Can I uh, share on his account, too? You can. You can. There's actually one. There is one that says Antino on it. I'm surprised you're not using it. And you have my Hulu, too. I do? Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, and my cousin's Disney Plus. I use that one. So you know, everyone shares. You know shares. you've made it when, like, you have all the logins that people use. Yeah. You, you know, uh, uh, I think it's Ed Milet talks about be the guy. Aaron's the guy. Wait. So, wait, you mean that's a sign of friendship? No, it means that you've made it. Like, you are, you're the guy that everybody goes to. Hey, can I borrow your, th- hey, can I, th- hey, do you have 
Oh, got you, yeah. got you. You're the distributor. You have all the things, and everybody's coming to you. It's like you won the lottery, but you didn't win the lottery. Right, yeah, exactly. Huh, I didn't think of it that way. Pretty sure it's that's who it was. Yeah. There's there's another guy who uh, is in the air conditioning world who talks about that. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. Air conditioning world. It's running all around you. You just don't even know it. <laughs> the guy's in a truck right next to you. You don't know he's about to go work on an air conditioner. That's because his uh, brand is not well known. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, he needs to reach out to Dan. <laughs> Dan. Dan Antonelli. Nice. Well, on that note, we can go out. And uh, I'd like to thank you again. I'm glad that I was able to be here. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Two Crazy Scoops Podcast with your hosts AO, Antino, and Chris Plunkett. We'll see you again next week. We got a bunch of other stuff going. And everybody have a good night. And get don't die from carbon monoxide poisoning, please. Thank you. Good night.